Hey, life is full of warnings. I don't know if you realize how many warnings we see every day. They're all around us. In fact, just the other day, I was going over to Roy's around lunchtime to get some food. And knowing I was speaking on the subject of warnings in Hebrews, I was just amazed to see how many warning signs there were around me just on this little two-mile journey here from church over to Roy's and then back. So um, I had my cell phone on me, and I started to snap some different pictures of different warning signs. So I just want to show you a few of them that were on my journey over to Roy's. And I got close to Grand Traverse Academy, and there was a warning sign on the right-hand side to watch out for people crossing the road. And so this was, this was there. And, and, you know, we get so familiar with warning signs, sometimes we don't even see that they're there. But that one was there. And then um, not too far past Grand Traverse County was another warning sign for the three-mile stoplight coming up. And, and I don't know if you know about this, but there have been a few big accidents at that three-mile intersection that you would kind of wish people would see this sign and pay attention to it, that it's coming up, because uh, that would have averted many different accidents coming up. And so then, um, then I pulled into Roy's, and they have their sign. Sometimes there needs to be a warning sign for the Roy's sign that is there on the side of the road. And this is what their sign was um, this past time I was up there. So sometimes Roy's sign needs a warning sign, just to let you know. Then I got past there, and um, I drove by their propane tank at Roy's, and here's the warning sign that was at the propane tank. And then I pulled up to the gas pump, and there was um, a warning sign on the gas pump. And so I snapped a picture with my cell phone of the warning sign on the gas pump, and as I did, I realized that the warning sign was to turn off your cell phone. <laughs> so I quickly got out of there. Um, you know, there's warning signs for icy bridges, there's warning signs on your medication, there's warning signs on recently mopped floors, you know, there's warning signs all over the place. And warnings exist for a couple important reasons. Number one, um, warnings exist because there is a reality of a serious problem. If we don't pay attention and if we don't follow through on the warning, there could be a really significant problem. There could be a serious problem to us or to others if we don't stop and pay attention to the warning. And a warning is what we're going to see here in Hebrews chapter 2 and the first four verses um, that we're going to study together in our continuing study of Hebrews. So let's get caught up for a moment on the last couple of weeks. So the writer of Hebrews reminds his readers, don't lose confidence in Jesus. If you've been with us in this study so far, these were individuals who used to be involved in Old Testament religion. They were Jews who were involved in all the ceremony, all the sacrifices, 
all the elements of Old Testament religion where they could work and do things in hopes that they would earn God's favor on their own. And then along comes Jesus who announces, you know what, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. So these people put their faith, their confidence in Jesus Christ, in his death on the cross for salvation. And then some bad things come along in their lives. And so they're at this point where they're wondering, should my confidence be in Jesus or is the old way of life the way to go? And the writer is saying, don't go back. Don't go back to where you were. Don't go back to your old way of life. Don't go back to confidence in other things. And so in chapter 1, he said, don't go back to confidence in the prophets. Then he says, don't go back to confidence in angels. Keep your confidence in Jesus Christ. And then he comes to Hebrews chapter 2, and he starts with a warning. And that's exactly where we begin today. There is this warning, constantly watch that you don't drift from God's word. Constantly watch that you don't drift from God's word. So if you would, grab your East Bay Weekly. On the back is a little study guide that we're going to work through this morning. And there's a number of things that we can understand that are going to help us to navigate through this text. So there's two warning terms to understand Both terms have been used in a nautical sense, um, in a water sense with boats. So here's the first one. I'm just going to read for you verses 1 to 4. And is it a little bit warm in here? Okay. It's just, I think I know what it is. It's these lights that are beaming down on me right now. Um, So it's just me. Never mind. It's getting warmer as I speak. Here's verses 1 to 4. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. I'm going to read that verse 1 again. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we've heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through the angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? The salvation which was first announced by the Lord was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Okay, let's look at it together. There's two warning terms to understand. Here's the first one. Pay the most careful attention. Pay the most careful attention. Now, in the language that this was written, this was actually one primary word and, and it mentions some specific warning activities. Number one, pay the most careful attention. This is a constant activity. 
Pay attention. It's a constant activity, and here's another element of it. This is an intense activity. So it's an ongoing activity, and it is an intense activity. I just want to show you the context. Ships in those days, back in Bible days, they didn't have GPS. They didn't have sonar. They didn't have anything to say, you know what, here's a rock coming up. Here's a shallow area coming up. They didn't have any special equipment to do any of that. Guess what they had to, to help them understand if there was something coming up? This is all they had is these two beady things on the front of their faces. And so they would put people around their ship, and they said, you know what? It is time to make sure you are really paying attention. You have to look for anything sticking up through the water. You have to look for any potential issue if there is a shallow area. You have to be constantly paying intense attention to everything going on. This isn't a casual trip. This isn't a Sunday stroll. Everything is at stake. If you don't pay careful attention, this ship goes down. And so everyone had to be on full alert at all times to avoid the dangers. Now, I was trying to think how I could uh, help us visualize this, and I don't know. I know we have a mixed crowd here this morning. How many of you have ever been to Great Wolf Lodge here in Traverse City? Let's see your hands. Okay. And to the water park specifically? Yes, okay. So you know what I'm about to talk about. If you've been in the water park at Great Wolf Lodge, you know what I'm talking about. In being there, we went with our boys um, last year to celebrate their birthdays. Their birthdays are, are um, right close together. Um, one is born on August 8th and one is born on August 9th. Obviously not the same year. And, um, and so we went to Great Wolf Lodge, and they loved it. We went to the water park. And I'm going to tell you, if you've ever been in the water park, this is, this is literally how their lifeguards work. Their lifeguards are at a station, and this is what they do. And they're watching back and forth like this, looking at the water as, they, as they're going back and forth. They never stop. And for about 20 minutes, they do that. And I already feel dizzy just doing that three times. And they keep doing that. 20 minutes, someone else comes and takes their spot, and they go to another spot. But they're constantly watching the water and looking to make sure they're very proactive. Now, it's completely different because when I grew up, we went to the Jersey Shore for vacation. And there's a lifeguard there on the beach that sat up on a really tall uh, stool, you know, and they're sitting up there and they're leaned back with their tanning lotion on and they had their whistle and this is what they did. And then they would spin it the other way. And then they'd spin it this way. And you're thinking, are they paying attention? If someone went down, like, what's the response time? to this thing. And they probably are not on the higher list for Great Wolf Lodge. 
because there is a completely different intensity level and attention level. And I'm going to tell you, between the two lifeguards, which one fits into this text? Pay the most careful attention. A constant activity, an intense activity, and here's what the attention is for. Follow it. Pay the most careful attention, and we're going to come back to the meat here in the middle, but we're going to jump down. Pay the most careful attention that we do not drift away. That we do not drift away. This is once again another one word action and command in the text. Now follow me on this one because the drifting that is mentioned here, do not drift, the drifting is due to inattention or neglect. The word generically means that which can slip or slide by. It is not activity that is a result of intentional decisions or deliberate actions. Are you, are you sensing this here? It's not an intentional thing. I intended to do this. This is due to thoughtlessness, carelessness, or neglect. And it's used in the nautical sense. The boat would slip past its intended destination. It would drift off into troubled waters or collide with other ships it wasn't due to malicious intent. It wasn't due to a deliberate action, but rather due to inattention, neglect, or distraction. Pay careful attention that you do not drift. Now, drifting is a concept that we are very familiar with today. That's why they make rumble strips on the road. They're not there for someone who intentionally crosses. They're there for people who, by their inattention, just slowly, you know, just slowly, and then and they hear it, and then, oh, I better get over. Even today, now they have invented the lane drift alarm in newer vehicles. To help you, the second your vehicle begins to drift, off goes an alarm, time to get back over. Now they even have an automatic stop in newer vehicles if you're not paying attention. It's also why God created the original alarm system called the wife. <laughs> Anytime something starts to, never, we're just not even going to go there. Okay. <laughs> But the writer isn't concerned about our driving. He's concerned about this. We must pay the most careful attention, notice, verse 1, to what we have heard that we don't drift. The writer is concerned with those who 
do nothing with what they have heard from God's word. And there's two descriptive things that come along in this. Because he mentions to what we have heard, and then verse 2 mentions, for since the message spoken through the angels, if you were here last week, you understand the angels did bring the law of God. So it's obvious that the writer is saying, okay, I, I, brought, I brought you the word. God brought you the word. He brought you the law. And we need to make sure that we are locked in, gang, laser beam. We are riveted on God's word because we all have the tendency to drift. We all have this proneness to slide or slip by. And, and can we just be honest for a moment? I, I'm just being transparent. We're all family here. Can we be open? We all have the tendency to drift, don't we? We do. I think we're all amongst good company. We all have drifted. All of us. I don't know that I have ever experienced anyone who went from alert Attending to God's word to defying it in one step. I've never seen it. Even if it may look like it, like, wow, they just, they just blew it. They just went from top to bottom. Even if it looks like it to us, internally there was a drift. There were steps that they took and drifted. I've been there. You've been there. We've all been there. In that commentary on Hebrews that I've mentioned to you um, by Dr. Warren Wearsby, and I know that we have extra copies that are available in our resource center if you want to get one. Dr. William Barclay says this about this topic. Listen to this. He says, for most of us, the threat of life is not so much that we should plunge into disaster, but that we should drift into sin. He says, there are few people who deliberately and in a moment turn their backs on God. There are many who day by day drift further and further away from him. There are not many who in one moment of time commit some disastrous sin, he says, there are many who almost imperceptibly involve themselves in some situation and suddenly awake to find that they have ruined life for themselves and broken someone else's heart. And then he finishes, we must be continually on the alert against the peril of drifting in life. And then Dr. Warren Wearsby in the same commentary states it this way, too many Christians today take the word of God for granted and neglect it. And then he says, in my pastoral ministry, I've discovered that neglect of the word of God in prayer is the cause of most spiritual drifting. He says, I need not multiply examples because every believer knows this to be true. He has either experienced this in drifting or has seen it in the lives of others. So when I was thinking about this, 
um, I was thinking about um, a song that I knew growing up. And if you can hear my voice right now, you know that I'm not about to sing it. But it's, um, come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. But here's the part of that. Here's a part of that song that just exposes us, folks. Here's what it says. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. You with me on this? We connecting on this? Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. I feel it. I walk away. I drift. I have that tendency. It's, it's a natural thing, folks. And, and this is what the writer is saying. If we don't pay careful attention, guess what will happen? We will drift. It is natural. If the boat doesn't have an anchor, it will drift. If we don't pay careful attention, we will drift. We all drift. It is in us. So I just asked some questions here this morning to help us think through this. Why do we drift? Why? Well, I just answered one of them. It is a natural tendency. Sadly, it is a sinful natural tendency to drift away from God. I'm going to give you a few other things if you want to write these down on your notes. Um, even going along with the driving analogy, sometimes we just get distracted. Think about it. Sometimes there are so many other things going on, like, um, you know, we, we rubberneck it in life, you know? I, my wife knows this. We'll be driving along, and I'm like, whoa, there's some deer. And I'm doing this, and she's, um, honey, honey, you know, and oops, okay, you know, here we go. I'll stay on my side. And we get distracted, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you, easy way why we drift. Jobs, hobbies, busyness, pleasures. Here's another one. I'm going to go there, gang. Even sometimes crazy busyness in church activity. And we can get so overloaded that we don't take the time to love the God we're serving we can get preoccupied and focused elsewhere, wrapped up in everything else going on. We can get distracted. Here's another one. We can get cruising. In other words, life can be so good that we just don't think about God. We don't have as much of a need perceived in our life as when things aren't going good. You know, when things aren't going good, 
God gets our attention. And it's kind of like, you know, when you're cruising on a Sunday afternoon drive in the middle of summer, and woo, you just don't think about it, and it's beautiful. You're not thinking about your speed. You're not thinking about the road. You're just enjoying it. And you can kind of drift around different than if you're driving in the middle of a snowstorm with heavy traffic and you are white-knuckling it, eyes to the road, paying attention to every inch of what's going on. Sometimes familiarity and ease causes us to drift. Laziness, not taking things seriously, we don't put our heart into it. So many reasons why we drift. Here's another question. What happens when we drift? And this is the crazy thing to think about. What happens when we drift? I was thinking about this. Obviously, if we drift off the road, we wreck our lives and others. If we drift into another lane, we impact others. And you're thinking, but I didn't mean to drift in the other lane. It wasn't intentional. You realize that the result is the same from drifting as it is from intention. You, you recognize? Think about that. If you intended to or if you just drifted, the result is the same. It's just a more subtle process to get there. There is discipline on our lives. And the text mentions that these things that God gives us in his word, these commands, it mentions violations are, are there. There's disobedience and there's punishment like, it doesn't matter if we drift into it or if we violate it intentionally. There, there are things coming because of that. There's impacts on our life and on the lives of other people when we drift. What are signs that we drift? I think there's a lot. We don't spend time with God and his word. You know, I think we can look at our lives and say, you know, here's where I was. And I'm not there anymore. I'm not, I'm not where I, I used to be. I, I don't enjoy God the way I used to. I don't love God the way I used to. I don't spend time with him the way I used to. Or, or maybe even certain sins are not as big of a deal to us like they used to be. Are, are we talking the same language here? There may be some things that I used to be upset about, and now it's like, well, it's not really a big deal. Or here's the other one, and I've said this. I'm not that far off. Or we see someone maybe farther off the road. You know what? They're, they're drifted farther than I am, so it's not as big of a deal for me. And what do we need to do to not drift? I think there's a whole lot of things we could put in here. I'm just going to give you a few. Think about this. Anchor in God's word. We need to have an anchor. If, if we are to not drift, we have to have an anchor. 
we have to anchor in his spirit. <clears throat> we have to anchor in his people. Um, we need to regularly spend time with him and create a culture of our life that is with God and his word. We must have an attention to that. I'm going to mention this. I think this is important. Take every inch of drift seriously, not just the last one. The last and the first are equally important. I like this one. Have friends as rumble strips. Think about it. This is why like a small group culture is important. You need to have some friends that love you. And they're around either side of you. And when you start to drift, they can sound the rumble. Like, hey, what's going on? We need those people in our lives. There's a reason why God has given us each other. So I told you about that song, Come Thou Fount. Listen to this one. This is in that commentary by Dr. Wearsby. Robert Robinson, um, he's the one that wrote that song. He was converted under the preaching of George Whitfield. But later he drifted from the Lord. He was greatly used as a pastor, but neglect of spiritual things led him astray. And in an attempt to find peace, he began to travel. And during one of his journeys, he met a young woman who was very spiritually minded. And check this conversation out. She said, what do you think of this song I've been reading? And she handed him the songbook, and guess what? It was his song, Come Thou Fount. And then he tried to avoid her question, but it was hopeless because God was just speaking to him, and finally he just broke down and confessed. He said, um, that's my song, and I've been, I've been living away from the Lord, and I've been wandering like the song said. And then she stopped him and she said, but sir, streams of mercy are still flowing. And through her encouragement, Robinson was restored to fellowship with Jesus. It's easy to drift. It's difficult to go against the stream. And the writer's concerned about those who do not stay with the word of God and follow it with careful attention. Here's the second thing, and this is what we're going to finish up with. This is so critical. Here's where he finishes. He's concerned about those who do not pay careful attention to God's word and he's concerned with those who do nothing with the offer of Christ's great salvation. Look at this one, verse 3. And once again, another drifting term. 
How shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? Notice he doesn't say if you reject it. He says if you ignore it. You've heard it. You may even know it. You might even understand it. You just don't do anything about it. And his concern is Christ has offered this great salvation. And his concern is you can't ignore it. Just like this rumble strip, if you ignore it, there is going to be a huge price to pay. There is no way you'll ever make it out of this one. Now, what is the salvation he's talking about? And, and, and he clarifies it. He says, it was first announced by the Lord. Okay, I think we're figuring out what this might be. It was the salvation that Jesus talked about. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Okay. It's the salvation Jesus offers by his death on the cross. He's rescuing us. Our sin dooms us to a just destruction in hell. I'm just telling you the facts. Our sin must be punished. And there is a just punishment, an eternal punishment in hell. And we need to be rescued from that. And there is only one salvation. There's only one rescue, friends, and it's through Jesus Christ. He died on the cross and satisfied the wrath of God and bore on himself your sin and my sin. And so it's very simple. Our sin will be punished. Either you bear your punishment for your sin in hell or you believe Jesus bore your sin when he died on the cross. Plain and simple. It's going to be paid. Your sin will be punished. Either you bear it in hell or you believe Jesus bore it on the cross. For me, I believe Jesus bore it when he died on the cross. That's why it's a great salvation. It's through Jesus. He announced it. And it mentions it was confirmed by those who heard him, the disciples, they preached it. And then God also testified to it by signs and wonders and miracles through the early church, by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. God got it out there. There's no question about the salvation he's talking about. It's the salvation of Jesus Christ. And here's what he's saying. You can't ignore it. It's not a passive thing. You can't say, well, I heard about it. I think I can repeat it. Faith is an active, receiving, embracing, believing, relying thing. And so I'm here to tell you, friend, you can't walk out of here today 
with a passive mindset about the salvation of Jesus Christ. You must believe it. Believe in Jesus that he bore your penalty for your sin on the cross. That there's no other way to be rescued from your sin. There's no other way to have relationship with God. There's no other way but through Jesus Christ. That's it. And you can't ignore it. You got to believe it. You need to receive it. You need to tell God, I know I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died for me to give me forgiveness, to clean me up. I'm all in. I'm all in. Make me your child. I want to follow you with my life. That's not ignoring it. That's receiving it. Here's the big question. What do we need to do to not drift? We need to anchor in God's word. Take every drift inch seriously. Be with some rumble strip friends. But here's the big question. What do we need to do to drift? What do you need to do to drift? Absolutely nothing. And you will drift. We need to pay careful attention, folks. Stay in your lane. Stay on high alert to God's word. Take every moment in his word seriously. Don't drift through life. Don't drift through your marriage. Don't drift through parenting. Don't drift through love for God. Don't drift through school. Don't drift through your reputation. Don't drift through God's word. Stay on high alert. And don't walk out of here without embracing and affirming and thanking God for his great salvation. And would you stand with me? Is this something we can affirm together? Can we affirm together? There is no other way. There's no other way. There's no other name under heaven by which we can be saved but the person, the name of Jesus Christ. Would you bow your head? Would you close your eyes? And whether you are someone who's been in church for 80 years or whether this is your first time ever, there's no other name. No one else died for you. There's no other way to be forgiven. There's no other way to be God's child except embracing the fact that Jesus loves you and died on the cross to pay the penalty that you and I deserve for our sin. You can't get yourself there. There's no religion that'll get you there. It's Jesus. And can we affirm it in our hearts? together as a church family. Whether you've been someone who's believed in Jesus your whole life or today's the first day you've ever heard it, let's reaffirm, let's affirm this. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died on the cross for my sin. I know I can't get there on my own, I know no religious ritual could ever get me there. He's the one 
the only substitute for my wrong. He's the only way. I trust in him. I believe in him. I give my life to him. I'm not going to ignore this. Thank you for such a great salvation. God, we love you. We love you. Help us to pay attention and not drift. We pray this in the name of our great Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.